How many of you have ever had a non-starter in life? Like, it's just not going to move forward. That's it. You know, like there are certain conditions or there are certain things that you just like, nope, that's a non-starter. Not even going there. You know, I I had a friend once who uh, had just bought a a brand new, you know, two-ton big diesel engine truck. He was really proud of it. And then he pulled up to the gas station and put unleaded in it. He had a paperweight, a very expensive paperweight after that, because that engine was toast when he turned the key. You see, there are certain things sometimes that it's just poison to the system. I mean, that's it. And if you go there, you can't expect anything to happen. You, I mean, it's just, it's not going to work. It's oil and water, and the two will never mix. And today, we're going to talk about the parable of the unmerciful servant in Matthew 18 and how forgiveness is absolutely central to the Christian life. And unforgiveness is a non-starter. Like God's just not going to go there. He's not going to allow it in His people. He is a forgiving and a graceful God and He expects the same from His people. And when a Christian enters into a heart, you know, has a heart of unforgiveness, they're showing that they're really at risk for revealing that they may not actually be a Christian. They may not know God because God is love and He forgives. And it's what, I mean, it's, it flows from His nature. And if we are indwelled by His nature, by His Holy Spirit then one of the first things that should start to come forward from the life of a person who is born again is the ability and the desire to forgive. Now some of you in here know what I'm talking about with that. You you maybe came to to faith, you know, maybe a little later in life and, and you'd gone through some hard times and maybe you had some bitterness in your heart and then you came to know Jesus and He just started setting you free. He started setting you free of that that bitterness and that anger and you found yourself wanting to forgive and to move forward. And, and you might even have been confused by it. You might have, you know, looked back and you think at the time and you thought, where is this coming from? You know, that person really hurt me. They they really did a lot. This happened. Why do I want to forgive them? Why is this happening in my heart right now? Well, it's because we cannot help but show the influence of God in our lives when we are walking with Him. It's going to happen. And forgiveness and mercy, that's one of the key elements to look for, for the fruit that that comes from knowing God. So look with me in Matthew 18, beginning in verse 21. We start with Peter coming up and asking a question. And he thinks he's being very spiritual, and Jesus has to teach him that he's, he's not being nearly spiritual enough in what he's doing. So starting in verse 21, it says, Then Peter came up to him, came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but seventy-seven times. Therefore, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, 
One was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had in payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Ooh. Yeah, I hope that gives you a little bit of chills. I mean, when, when Jesus starts making statements like that that says, look, God will do this. My heavenly Father will do the exact same. And he's looking at this crowd. He's looking at people. He's talking to Peter. And there are other people there. And he says to every one of you, if you don't forgive. You see, Jesus wants us to understand the nature of forgiveness. That it's way that he, he tells a story that's way goes way beyond just the number of times we should forgive. You know, Peter walks up to him and says, how many times should I forgive? Seven. And he thinks he's being spiritual. He thinks like, yeah, you see, I'm advanced. I'm, I've got this figured out. I'll go seven times. Somebody can wrong me. And Jesus looks at him and says, depending on your translation, either 77 times or seven times 70. And he basically says, no, forgiveness is not something that you check a box a certain number of times and say, okay, I've done it. Forgiveness and mercy flow from the nature of who a person is. It comes from inside and and it comes from a place in which God moves inside of us and His forgiveness is unlimited and therefore what should ours be? And this is hard. Because forgiveness means what? To forgive a debt. To forgive something that has happened. You have been genuinely wronged or somebody genuinely owes you an apology or something there are real issues going on here. This isn't out there in, you know, theology theory land where we talk about forgiveness as this thing that's kind of detached from us. We're talking about people who have actually done you wrong. People who have done me wrong. And we have reason to be angry. We have reason to hold something against them, to exercise power over them. They are legitimate reasons. And yet, Jesus says you have to forgive from the heart. And so one of the things I want us to look at today is to understand that forgiveness flows from mercy. 
Okay, forgiveness flows from mercy. You see, for forgiveness to mean something, we have to understand what's involved in it and what it takes to actually forgive. Because in this situation, he tells this story and he uses some phrases that we may not truly understand today. He says this servant owed 10,000 talents. Now, what was a talent? It was 20 years worth of a laborer's wages. So this man owed hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars in modern terms. His debt was insurmountable. And this king, who obviously has more money than he knows what to do with, has called for an accounting and says, okay, let's settle up. And this guy's like, oh my goodness. I knew this day would come. And he goes before, and can you imagine that moment when he's like, so I see here you've wasted billions of my money. Billions of dollars. You've wasted it. Where, you know what? Pay me back. And the guy begs, and he says, look, just have patience. I'll pay it back. Now, this idea of paying it back right here is absolutely ludicrous. He's not paying it back. There's no way he's going to reconcile this account at this point. It can't be made right. It can't be made even. This debt is insurmountable. And so when the king forgives him, this isn't something that we're like, oh, you know, in a couple years he might have this figured out. No, this debt was insurmountable. It was something he would never, ever be able to repay. Even if everything went right for him, For the next 20 years, he's still not going to be able to pay this back. And two, this debt was so large that it was clearly not the result of just one mistake. You know, he didn't go to the racetrack one day and say, you know what, I think I'll put down a billion on this one. Put it on the king's credit card, that'll work. This was a pattern of repeated failure in this man's life. Now, had people failed him? Yes, we we already see that. He's keeping track himself. So whose fault is it? Yes, it's everyone's fault. He'd done business with people that failed him, but he invested money in it and he failed. Everybody failed. Everybody's wrong right here. And the king is the one that's like, you know what? Let's just settle all this out right now. Let's settle the whole thing. And so for forgive, we, we think of this forgiveness now. What would you be thinking if you went before a king who had the right to sell you into slavery and confiscate everything you had to settle debts and you owed a billion dollars? Would you have a bit of a sinking feeling going in? Thinking, I'd, yeah, there's, there's, I am powerless right now. I'm powerless to make this right. And, and the king had an absolute right to throw the man into prison. He had a right to collect on what he was owed. And if he can't get what he's owed, he can at least exact justice. Now, how many of you have ever been in that place that, you know what, I know they can't fix it, but I can at least, I'll get justice. I'll at least get some justice out of this. How did it work out? You see, anytime we enter into a vengeful heart and state of mind, we never are satisfied, are we? We, we just, we, we won't be. We will never be satisfied in that. 
And so what happens is this man comes before the king and then he finally, he falls on his knees and he begs, just have patience with me. I'll make it right. And it says out of pity, the king looks at him and he knows, he's like, you owe a billion dollars, my man. You're not making this right. That money's gone. That ship has sailed. And you really think I'm going to trust you with another billion after this? And it says he just forgives the debt. Now, what does that mean to forgive right there? It means he had mercy on him. Okay, and mercy is compassion or forbearance shown, especially to an offender or to one subject to one's power. See, the king had all the control right here. And from a heart of mercy, he looked at the man and said, I value you as a person over this debt that you owe. The money is mine. It's all mine. I could exact justice. I could sell. I could do all of this, but I value you and your family more than I value this. And so he releases the debt. And the idea of releasing the debt is that you just, he releases, it doesn't mean that the billion is coming back. It doesn't mean that anything's going to genuinely be set right. What does it mean? It means the king is releasing his right to prosecute the person personally. He's letting it go. He's releasing that. Now, I want you to, to listen to something here. This is a picture of the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is absolutely a picture of the gospel of Jesus Christ, of what we owe to God. What do we owe to God? What have we done before God? We have sinned, every single one of us. The Bible tells all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We have all thought or, or, or engaged in actions both that are an affront to the holiness of God. We are indebted to God because we were created to be in relationship to Him. We were created to be without sin and every single one of us have sinned and so we owe God a debt. And there will one day be a reckoning of that debt in which we will stand before God and God is going to call to account everything just like the king in this story. And we could fall before God and say, have patience, I'll make it right. But guess what? We can't make it right. I can't undo the sin that I've done in my life. And that would be the only thing that I could do, is undo it, and I can't. Once we cross the line into sin, we now become debtors to God of a debt that we could never pay. And God has the absolute right then to judge us according to our debts and send us to prison, spiritual prison, which is hell, until our debt is paid. And guess what? Eternal sin, when we sin against God, it is an eternal debt that we owe, requires an eternal punishment. And an eternal punishment means that the debt will always be owed for all eternity. Therefore, the punishment must be for all eternity. And we all owe this. But what has God done? We all owe this debt. But God, it tells us, who is rich in mercy, sent His Son to die to pay the debt that we owe. 
Jesus Christ lived a perfect life, did not sin one time in thought or in deed, did everything that, the, that, that God the Father told him to do. He obeyed perfectly throughout his entire life and then died a sacrificial death on the cross for us. Now, his perfect life was lived for us. His sacrifice on the cross was for us. So that now, when we come before the Father for a reckoning of our sins to settle accounts, it's as though we stand before God the Father, the judge, and Jesus steps in and says, I've paid their debt. I have paid their debt but I have also credited their account with the righteousness that I lived on earth for them. So not only is their debt paid, but their account is also full. They're with me. And God the Father looks at it and says, this is a legal transaction. This satisfies the eternal debt. This satisfies the holiness requirements. You're free. Go in peace. This story of forgiveness and mercy that Jesus says shows that forgiveness flows from the very heart of God. This is who He is. This is what He wants for everybody on earth. We read in in, in Peter that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Now, will all avail themselves of this? No. Some will choose, many will choose, to go stand before God on their own and try to settle their account based on their own good works. Because what people believe in this world is that if your good outweighs your bad, somehow you get into heaven. Now, I want any of you to try that in a court of law here. Why did you murder so-and-so? Oh, well, but look at all the good I've done in my life. Judge, I think, I think this time you should let me go. Guess what? That judge doesn't care about all the good you've done. The judge cares about the things you did wrong. That's where the law calls us to account. And our God is a perfect judge who must judge perfectly because of who He is. And so we either stand before God with Jesus as our advocate and our substitution and our source of righteousness, or we stand and we answer for our own sins. That's it. And so what we find is that forgiveness comes from the heart. It's not an action in which we can just check off a box and it's like, okay, I fulfilled my requirement to forgive. You are either a forgiving person or you're not. Because we can say the words we forgive and not mean it, right? Look, I'm guilty as any on that. Yeah, I forgive you. I don't like that person. And I, you know, we, we hold on to that bitterness inside. Look, when we forgive, we release the debt the person has against us. We're not saying that it's okay that it happened. I want that to, I want that to land. We're not saying it's okay. 
When Jesus died on the cross, that was not God saying, you know what, it's okay that you sinned. That was God saying, here's the price for your forgiveness. This is what it costs to forgive. See, forgiveness is costly. That's why it's got to come from the heart. You've got to mean it. It's not something we can just conjure up whenever we want. Forgiveness always costs us something. And so, we've got to think about it in terms of how am I reacting to the things in this world. Because, th- listen again, in verse 28 it says, but when the same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. Now, a hundred denarii is like almost a talent. Okay? It's not quite a talent, remember? Or, uh, or I mean, it's almost a year's wages. I'll, I'll get that right. It was almost a year's wages. A talent was 20 years of wages, and that guy owed 10,000 talents, so 10,000 times 20 years of wages, that's... 100 millions. This guy owed, you know, $10,000, $15,000 to. So it's still a significant debt. It's not like $10, but it's still nothing compared to the debt that was forgiven. And, and so it says, he went and found one of his fellow servants who owed him 100 denarii, and seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him the same words, have patience with me and I will pay you. Now, Jesus used that in that instance to show the human condition is universal. This man probably had no more ability to pay his one year of wages to this guy as this guy did to pay his billion dollars in debt to the king. It was the same kind of debt. It was not going to happen. It was probably insurmountable for this poor man. But the reaction is completely different. What is it? It says he choked him first. He attacks him, says pay what you owe. And then it says have patience. In verse 30, he refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. The king showed mercy. This man, having been shown mercy, did not have a heart of mercy. And it's almost what I picture. It's like this man went out on a mission now to get even with everybody that had wronged him. He's like looking, oh man, I just barely avoided jail and it's your fault and it's your fault and it's your fault. And, and, and instead of just like, you know what? Whew, I'm free. You know what? Everybody else, you're free too. Let's just all be free. He's going and finding people that he can blame for his situation. And he refuses to show the same mercy that he had been shown. Now, why is that? Because mercy did not live in his heart. You remember when we were talking about the Beatitudes and Jesus said, blessed are the what? Merciful, for they will be shown mercy. You see, he's showing us that this having mercy it is a, it's part of the heart of God. It is a fruit of the Spirit. It is part of what He does, okay? It's part of, uh, of having God's nature within us and that there is a repeating loop that is going to happen in our lives. We show mercy, we get mercy. We show mercy, we get mercy. And that's just how God has ordered it. And it will continue to repeat. And, and if we break that circle, something is very, very wrong. 
And Jesus uses these huge amounts in this story to emphasize just how much the debt was weighing on everybody. That everybody owed something. But 1 Corinthians 13.5 sums it up. Love keeps no record of wrongs. If we are truly loving our neighbor then forgiveness should come easy because we're not keeping a record of how many times they've, they've wronged us. We're not even focused on it. We love people. That means we forgive them. I mean, parents, we love our children. What would happen if we kept a list in our house of all the times they messed up? One, we would not have more trees in this world because the paper would be gone. But would our children feel like they were loved if we were always like, mm, look, here it is. Remember when you did this? Remember when you did this? No, they wouldn't feel loved. None of us would if we lived in under that all the time. And that's why it tells us, love, Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 13, the chapter on love, love keeps no record of wrongs. We're not into this idea of living in the past of how many times we've been wronged. We value the person over the debt. We value the person. But in this story, this man did not value the person over the debt. And he never did. The king did. He valued him so much that he said, nope, I will release your ridiculous debt. You owe me a billion dollars, but I'm not going to collect on it. This man did not value the person. He has what I like to call a grace for me, but none for thee attitude. Have you ever been around someone like that? Grace for me, but none for thee. It's awful. It, it really is. When, when you, if you have to be around a person with that kind of attitude, it is amazing the grace they will show themselves. You know, when they make a mistake, well, you know, I'm just human. We all make mistakes, and, and it's not really that big a deal, and I'll, I'll do what I can to fix it. You make a mistake, what happens? Well, you're now incompetent. What's wrong with you? I wouldn't do that. You did it last week. Well, I, I learned. I haven't done it again. This is a real thing. And, and it shows the worst for religious people. This attitude right here is absolutely horrid when it exists within the church. Because it is absolutely hypocritical. If we all live within the, the, the forgiveness and the grace of Jesus Christ, then that means that we should be looking for opportunities to build one another up, not keep a record of how many times we've wronged each other and hold it against each other. Now, it also means that if we wrong somebody, we're quick to go and like, you know what, I'm sorry, that was my fault. We'll own it. Listen, to, I, I, just, I picked out a, a few but forgiving one another is a theme that just repeats itself over and over and over in the New Testament. Ephesians 4.32, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. 
Now, what did God in Christ forgive you of? The billion-dollar debt. So can you forgive the hundred-dollar debt that somebody else owes you? I'm not saying that what they did was, was okay. I'm not saying that you have to, you know, like look at it as, oh, this is perfectly fine that this happened. Can you release the debt, the bitterness, the anger? Mark 11.25, and whenever you stand praying, forgive if you have anything against anyone so that your Father also who is in heaven may forgive your trespasses. This is Jesus talking. Once again, we have this kind of balance that happens here that if I forgive, I will be forgiven. But I can't break that circle. And if I break it, forgiveness no longer comes to me. Colossians 3.13, bearing with one another. Now, I, I love that. Bearing with one another. You ever had to bear with someone? You see, Paul knows human nature. God knows human nature. And he knows we're going to mess up. Why would he keep telling us to forgive each other if he didn't know already that we're going to give each other plenty of reason to need to forgive each other? Like, we're going to do a good job of that, right? We're going to give each other plenty of opportunity to forgive. It's just what we do. But God just keeps coming back to it, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And in fact, when Jesus was teaching us how to pray in Matthew 6, Matthew 6, 12, part of the Lord's prayer is what? And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Now, what I find interesting about that one is that Jesus Himself links that we aren't even to ask for forgiveness without being willing to forgive others. Don't even ask. Like He's, as we pray and we say, God, forgive my sins, one of the first things that should happen, it says what? Forgive my sins as I forgive others. He has connected receiving forgiveness and giving forgiveness to others in a way that cannot be separated. Like Jesus is like, don't even ask God to forgive your sins without you also forgiving people in your life. That kind of sounds familiar. Kind of like love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. We can't separate the two. We can't separate being forgiven and giving forgiveness. We can't separate them. And then in Matthew 6, 14 through 15, right after he says that, is for if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. See, the, the thing that happens in the modern day church is that we have become so focused on self. And I mean this in theology. and I mean, it, it, the, the self-help gospel has gotten us so isolated that we have forgotten that one of the core things about Christianity, that, that for our spirituality to work, requires not just me to focus on my relationship with God, but also for me to focus on my relationship with my neighbor. And the self-help gospel is all about me. About me being healthy, about me being wealthy, about me getting everything figured out, about me having peace. 
Well, guess what? We're also to help our neighbor have peace. We're to be an active force for helping them have peace. And if I can't forgive my neighbor, I can't be in relationship with my neighbor. And I can't be in relationship with my neighbor without me and my neighbor getting crossways every now and then. I said, we can't do it. Anybody in here figured out how to do that? We're going to. We're just going to get crossways sometimes. And if we are walking with Christ, then that means that our first inclination should be to forgive. Because we are constantly asking God in prayer to forgive our sins. If we are praying as God, as Jesus taught us, then we say things like, God, forgive me, and I forgive them. Because when we start talking about forgiveness, I promise those we have not forgiven come to mind, don't we? It's what the Holy Spirit does. He's really good at it. And when we enter into prayer, the Holy Spirit guides us and leads us where we need to go. And look, forgiveness is often a process. And sometimes we have to be willing to go through a, an extended process that we may think, I forgive them, and then we find out later that no, I'm still bitter. I'm still mad. God, why am I still feeling this way? And God's like, well, because you haven't forgiven them yet. Okay, God, I want to. But what has to grow and change in me in order to do this? Where am I not reflecting you? Where am I not putting my faith in you in the right way so that I can forgive here? Because the grace we give often or, or should reflect the grace we receive. That's what he's been getting at this whole time. This entire story that Jesus told us is, look, this guy's forgiven a billion dollars. He should be able to find it in his heart to forgive the $10,000 this guy owes him. He really should. And God expects it. This is not legalism. This is talking about a changed heart. If this man understood and appreciated the mercy and the forgiveness that he received, then the first thing he should be doing is offering that same mercy and forgiveness to others. And we cannot, we cannot lighten that in any way. I've heard too many modern day preachers that want to, oh, God will forgive. He just forgives. He always forgives. God will forgive you and He will. But notice how many times Jesus attached it to forgiving others. Like us receiving forgiveness from God is not the end of the story. That's not how it ends. It continues on and that we receive forgiveness and then the first thing we do is we start doling it out to other people. We forgive. Now that doesn't mean, again, that we're saying injustice is okay. We don't ignore it. We just don't go for vengeance on our own. We release the personal debt and trust a justice system and trust the laws and even if those break down, trust that ultimately God will set things straight. Because one day the king is going to call to settle accounts for everyone. And you're either in Jesus or you're not. And if you're not then you'll stay in prison until your debt is paid and your debt is eternal. 
So forgiveness and mercy are serious business in the kingdom of God. These are non-negotiables. Unforgiveness is a non-starter in the kingdom of God. It is like that unleaded gasoline in a diesel tank. Unforgiveness will not work in the kingdom of God. And notice in verse 31, this is where within the church, those who are walking with God should be offended by unforgiveness. Verse 31, when his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed. And they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailer until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? This is the heart of the entire matter. If we claim Jesus Christ as our Savior and we appreciate what has happened at the cross, we sing about a costly salvation and the love that flowed from Calvary, then our very nature should be transforming into one that is forgiving of other people. It should be one that is quick to offer forgiveness. And so two questions to close today. Two questions for you. One, have you accepted the forgiveness God offers through faith in Jesus Christ? We all owe a debt. As I said earlier, we all owe a debt to God through sin. It is a debt that we cannot fix, but Jesus paid the price for us. And if you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord, if you have not accepted the fact that your debt is insurmountable, No amount of good works is ever going to set you right with God. You can't fix it yourself, but He has offered His Son, and if you will put your faith in Him, you will be born again. If you have not done that, then you can do that today simply by asking Jesus to come into your life. And two, how has that forgiveness translated into forgiveness of others? I noticed a lot of head nodding when I was asking the first question. What about the second? How has the forgiveness you have received translated to forgiveness 